Hello, 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 and welcome to the Nerd of God Squad and our amazing friends, where I introduce you to some really cool people, and we geek out together and glorify God, and we have a great time. Tonight is a really special episode. I'm looking forward to introducing our guest to you. We want you to be part of the conversation. You can join us at, across all the social medias on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Nerd of God Cast, or you can check out our Facebook small group, the Nerd of God Squad. Send us a request and we're going to let you in there because we're a pretty indiscriminate bunch. Nerd of God Squad on Facebook. Live your dreams and share some memes. Uh, I'm super excited to have our guest. Uh, It's going to be a magical evening, and I mean that in every sense of the word. So I'm excited to introduce you, Steve Marshall, my friend, all the way from Tokyo, Japan. It is late at night here. It is early morning there. So from around the planet, would you please welcome my friend, Steve. So it is a delight to have in this conversation this evening, one of my amazing friends, Steve Marshall, the uh, ambassador of magic from the USA, all the way from, are you in Tokyo, Japan? I'm just outside of Tokyo, but basically I say Tokyo. Yeah, Yeah, well, it's it's easier, you know, that's that's wonderful. Welcome, I'm so glad to see you. Thanks, man, it's great to see you. It's Think always of, great to see you. It, it, this is this is a true marvel of technology. I don't ever want to take for granted that we really do live in the future, jetpacks notwithstanding, that we can sit yeah. literally around the planet from each other and have a conversation. I don't, it's it's wonderful. Well, you know this. You know these little these little communicator devices that we carry <laughs> in our pocket now that are yeah. you know um, a thousand or a million times stronger than the first supercomputers. You know to be sure. And, yeah, it is great. This is just like I remember being. Um, what was what was that? It was in in Epcot. Maybe it was the it was the home like of tomorrow. In interventions. Yeah, yeah. And you come out and you go along that moving sidewalk. And you see these people like talking to each other on a computer screen and this yeah, lady yeah. ordering groceries and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> it was Horizons. Oh Horizons yeah, was yeah. the ride, and uh, but no one was wearing masks, and that was the thing that they missed. Who knew? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knew? Well, what a delight. Steve, we have been friends for a very long time, a very long time. And it's it, it makes me really happy that we can just always jump back in and connect and see each other. We met in 1996, I think, if, uh, if memory serves. Sounds about right. At the yeah. uh, the Boardwalk Resort at, at Disney. Yeah. And yeah, you were you were, you were you were working there demonstrating the puppets, right? I was. I was doing puppets and wandering around entertaining people, and you were a boardwalk busker, doing yeah. your your deal. So tell everybody kind of what your what your background is. You are the ambassador of magic from the USA. Is this a title that was given to you, or is this just remarkable branding? Uh, it was actually given to me on a TV show. Uh, I did a TV show like, it's, I guess it's been almost twenty years ago here in Japan, and. The hosts, I hadn't seen the introduction. I did the show, but I hadn't seen the introduction. And the host introduced me. They said, Magic Taishi USA. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. And I looked at my wife and I go, what does that mean? She goes, oh, it means ambassador of magic from the USA. And I went, that's going on all my promo material. That's it. The (laughs) ambassador of magic from the USA. It's it's 10 times cooler that somebody else says it about you. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true if you say it about yourself, but it's always cool to be knighted like that. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so so you're, you have a background in magic. I mean, you have a background in entertainment in, in general. I mean, you do everything. You're, you have a, a tremendous pedigree, but it, it, did magic bring you to Japan? 
<laughs> I see her pedigree. I think I'm, I'm you know. down, boy. Down, heel. <laughs> Here's another one for the flea circus. Hold on, let me go put that over there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I started doing magic. You know, I, here's the way I always back it up is when I was a kid, um, I was I was the overweight kid. I was the kid who got picked on in school. I got bullied. I got picked last for the teams and Can't relate. sports and everything like that. Uh, well, yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, can relate. And I think a lot of people in show business or entertainment in general are people that are funny send, tend to have those kind of backgrounds. It was right. something that we used as a coping me mechanism in the beginning. And it certainly was for me. Um, I saw this, uh, this magician named Marshall Brodeen uh, introducing these TV magic cards. It was a big thing in the TV magic kit. They would okay. advertise on TV. And I asked for that kit for Christmas and I got it. And it was just all of a sudden I could do something that nobody else could do. Hmm. So it was fun. It was like, it was kind of like, it kind of broke me out of my shell because I could do these magic tricks and people who wouldn't, wouldn't normally talk to me or people that would give me a hard time were all of a sudden like, oh, that's cool. Do, yeah. do another trick, right? So it kind of got me out. I wasn't getting beat up so much. You know, it was like, <laughs> Here, watch a card trick instead, you know? Now I do too many card tricks and people beat me up. So it's kind of, it's kind of come full circle. Full circle. And I'm, okay. I'm come okay with it. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it it started with that through all through school. Um, when I was in junior high school, um, my my church youth group was out having pizza one night in Tampa. Uh, I'm from I grew up in Zephyr Hills, Florida, <laughs> the Popular, sprawling metropolis Pop of Zephyr Hills. <laughs> Two thousand in the summer, ten thousand in the winter. It's very cosmopolitan. Um, exactly, but that was a big. It was great for me living there because I was the only entertainment in town, and these. There's over a hundred trailer parks. It's a senior citizens community. And when people found out there was a magician in town, they would actually, they knew I was in high school. They didn't know how to contact me. So they'd call the high school looking wow. for me. The student secretaries would take a message, bring it to me in class, say I had a phone call. And there were no cell phones back then. So sure. I'd, excuse, I'd get excused from class. I'd go to the pay phone. I'd book a show. And you know whoever had called, I'd book the show. And then I'd go back to class. That's right? amazing. So it's like, I have my own secretary system. The student secretaries <laughs> would bring me messages in class. Very um, professional. I, I mean, you know, permission. there's probably a lot yeah, of working magicians right now that don't have that level of networking. I know. I, I don't even have that now. I need to get them back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm answering the phone myself now. Um, so, yeah, so I, I started working at a place called Lowry Park in Tampa. Years mm -hmm. ago, it wasn't just a zoo. They had a, a, a little amusement park there, and I was doing okay. shows and everything. Um, so really, by the time by the time I was in high school, I was making money doing magic. I had a business. I was doing birthday parties all around town. That's about the time that I met a clown who had been with Ringling Brothers, who taught me how to put on makeup, and he taught a local a Red Cross youth clown troupe. Okay. Um, I started doing that. Uh, the yeah, the thing the Lowry Park gig came from my youth group. We were having pizza in Tampa. And we were leaving and I had this, I had made this shirt in art class, I had a rabbit in a hat and some people saw it and they stopped me and they said, we're the owners of Lowry Park. Are you a magician? And they hired me to come do magic. How right? cool. Yeah. And then after that, I, I applied for Ringling Brothers Clown College. And after high school, I went to Clown College. And that as was one, as one does. As one does. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent the next five years on Ringling Brothers Circus as a clown. 
and that in itself, yeah. we could fill we could fill hours of conversation just going down the, the the road with you on that one. Yeah, we just I just came from another Zoom thing. I just came straight here. There, um, a meeting with all the clowns from the first year the circus went to Japan. Wow. And just a whole bunch of Ringling clowns telling stories. And it was like, actually, it's so nice and relaxed now that I can, we can actually talk because you couldn't get a word in edgewise with the <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of people. It was fun. It was great. Well, everybody's got stories, you know. You need to send me one of the, the password to the next Zoom meeting with the clowns because I would just love to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. So your, your Ringling exactly. Brothers experience took you to Japan for the first time, if I remember your, your story correctly. Right. So four years I traveled with the show in the States and then they took, I went and worked at Disneyland in California for a little while with a thing called Circus Fantasy. They had their circus theme going on okay. Disney. And then I went to, yeah, I went to Japan. It was my first time to go to Japan. We were there for six months. At the end of the tour, I bought my souvenirs. I went home thinking that's it. I'll never I'm come never back coming to back to this planet again. No, no. And uh, as of now, I've been living here for 22 years. Yeah, wow. So it's a major yeah. part of your story. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that when I was, so I'm doing puppets for, for at Disney World and I'm interacting with people. And I remember you would always kind of like, you know, swing by and hang out and linger and we'd have great conversations. And I remember if, if I was talking to Japanese guests, you would stand behind me and feed me lines in Japanese that I would then say to them through the puppet. And they were so delighted because they didn't realize that it was like a double ventriloquist act. <laughs> you were yeah. speaking for me, I was speaking for the puppet. And uh, and that was great. I mean, you've been, you're, you're fluent in Japanese. It's it's a major part of your story and your your love. Uh, that's It's wonderful. So you live in Japan full time mm -hmm. and you do magic full time. That's your, It's not a hobby, it's, it's your gig. This is it, you know, this is, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard for people to understand that. Let me just back up real quick and say that, you know, on the boardwalk, you know, I was a full-time entertainer hired by Disney. Yeah. Uh, to be out there entertaining the crowds that would come to Disney and which I which I took as a, a big deal because people come to Disney. It's a big deal. They sure. save up their money to come to Disney for, you know, forever and then they come and they, they I'm if, if they decide to spend part of their time watching my show, mm -hmm. I feel it a privilege and a, um, God, I can't think of, I, I can't think of English words. I swear. It's like, I'm, <laughs> um, but, but anyway, you know, I would take it as a responsibility sure. to give them the best entertainment possible because it was Disney. Responsibility but, sounds like a very Japanese word translated into English. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It was but, an honor. It was my honor was to do an this honor. and my duty. Well, it was, it was, but on my breaks in between, I would come and watch you to be entertained. Oh, wow. Like you were the, I mean, I used to just go out there because I knew, Hey, I can sit back and relax and be entertained for a while. Just watching you just interact with the guests. Cause you're so funny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, yeah. I was, I was all hopped up on surge back in the day. So that was what it was, you know, just caffeinated soda. But we yeah. had a great time and we would hang out. The first time that we ever met, I, I really kind of had a conversation, we asked each other several times. They were playing, they had their classic rock playlist that they would play out there. And uh, one night the Doobie Brothers was on, they were playing Jesus is Just All Right. And you kind of walked by and lingered and you said, is this DC Talk? And I went, you know who DC Talk is. 
Yeah. Nobody knows who DC Talk is, so let's. <laughs> so it, it kind of opened a door to you know share faith, and we, we you know had those conversations beyond the the act and got it got real, and uh, you know we got to become a part of of each other's lives in a real way. We spent a lot of time together, and here we are. I mean, almost three decades later, and still still hanging out and and talking, and it's it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm so grateful, and you are a big deal in Japan. I feel like. Again, I don't. You're, you're the, literally the only person I know in Japan, but that that is, you seem like you're all over the place. You're not just a magician. I mean, you are a photographer, and an artist, and a, a songwriter, and you, you you're just a, a universal Renaissance man. Uh, anything that can be done to create and to imagine and to to color your world, uh, it, yeah. it's it's really impressive. You're you're my one of my favorite people that I follow online because I oh, I just really feel like it's a window to a magical world. Well, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of opportunities over here. And, and to be honest, it's funny that I've been here 22 years because about every two or two and a half years, I, I think I want to move back to the States, right? It just, <laughs> you know, because, you know, it's, now's not a good time. Just giving you the heads up. No, I, I know. I know that. Well, I'm, I'm rethinking that now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's, Every two or two and a half years, some great opportunity comes up for me here. Mm. And I've, I've remained open to whatever comes my way. And that meant doing TV commercials. I mean, I was like the national face for McDonald's Japan for six what? months. That's uh, crazy. all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I would drive past, you'd drive past if there was an outdoor McDonald's with a, with a drive that had a drive through there'd be a 30 foot banner of me hanging from the McDonald's sign. Wow. There were stand, there were cardboard stand-ups of me in front of every McDonald's. Um, I'm looking at one right now, right across me, it's funny. That's got nuts. In my room. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm, I feel like even yeah. more intimidated by you right now. <laughs> no, no, it, but it was fun. It was, and, you know, and it was fun to, to do something like that. And, you know, it was, what was interesting though too, was to have a little tiny, itsy bitsy, teeny weeny taste of what it was like to be a big movie star or a yeah. rock star, because I did six different national TV commercials okay. for McDonald's as this character, Mr. James, he was called. And when I put the costume with the wardrobe on and did my hair the way they had me for the, the, the commercial, and I'd walk out to one of these McDonald's, you know, they had to push me through crowds sometime. People try, reaching out, trying to grab at you and everybody wanting to take pictures. Oh my I mean, goodness. You know, it was, yeah, because people knew who he was from these TV commercials from the, you know, and, but you know, I, I saw the good and the bad of it, about it because I also read some stuff on the internet. People were talking about me or about the actor who was uh. portraying this Mr. James and they were saying all these bad things. And it was really hard. You know, it was back, it was like having those bullies back in school. Wow. And I went, wow, what did, what do, it, it really gives you a sympathy for a, a movie star. You know, sure. people like to complain about movie stars and people like to go, oh, they do this and their life is like this. But what people don't realize is for them, hey, I could take, I could do my hair the other way and I could walk right into that McDonald's yeah. 10 yeah. minutes later and nobody knew who I was. Hmm. I'd take the glasses off that I was wearing from the thing and put my contacts in. I, I did that a lot of times. I just afterwards, I go and get a Coke or a burger or something like that, you know, and <laughs> 10 minutes before people were screaming and trying to grab me and everything like that. 10 minutes later, I'm in there sitting there eating and nobody knew who I was. Wow. So there was that great, that was a great thing to be able to do that. You're you like know, a, a the Clark Kent star. Superman of fast food. Exactly, exactly, exactly. 
But you know, a real movie star can't do that. And it really no. gave me a sympathy, you know, for what somebody goes through that's yeah. recognizable 24 seven who can't leave their house without the paparazzi wanting to take pictures of them. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks TMZ. You know, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And it's really, so, you know, whatever you think about a movie star and what their life is, put yourself in those shoes that sure. maybe your life is a little different or maybe they're, because you're only seeing snippets of your life too, whatever the cameras take. So yeah. anyway, it was it, good. I, I, I think it's good to have those experiences. They have a, a show here in the States. I don't know what the crossover is media wise. I, I assume that, that a lot of things are universal now, but uh, Jimmy Kimmel is, does this bit where I, I believe it's Jimmy Kimmel, where he has celebrities read mean tweets about them. I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. But yeah, they have to deal with that all the time. Like you're terrible. You're ugly. You suck. You have no talent. No, it's that's it's it's hard, you know, and that's that's what people were saying about me during this Mr. James thing. And it was other foreigners that were living. The Japanese weren't saying anything, but the other foreigners, as a matter of fact, the word gaijin in Japanese it means foreigner, mm. um, and it basically means literally it kind of means outsider person. Huh. It's a word that goes way back, and a lot of people don't like it. Like they've kind of tried to change it a little bit, you know, because it's kind of almost like a a slur in okay. a sense, you know, okay. gai, you gaijin, but it's, it's not, I mean, it's funny. I'll say sometimes I'm a gaijin, you know, just <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was all the other people. And Oh, the first headline that came out in the newspaper, one of the English newspapers was <laughs> McDonald's Japan has a new gaijin clown. Oh, and they wow. used the word clown. And I was being this kind of Mr. Beanish kind of comedic character. And when I read they have a new gaijin clown, I was so happy because I'm a clown. <laughs> and I went, I went, oh, they get it. They get that I'm a clown. This is great. And I started reading it and I going, oh, they're not oh, using clown no. in a good way. Oh, no. no. That word has two meanings. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Well, speaking of fast food, completely off the, the track here, but you yeah. are our window into the, to Japan. What's the deal with KFC at Christmas time? Honestly. It's just a big deal. Everybody orders for, I mean, you know, Christmas, Christmas isn't, New Year's in Japan is the time when everybody's off and everybody gets together with their families. I mean, Christmas is just, it's a commercial holiday. I mean, it's not a Christian country. It's not something that they grew up with, but you know, they, they, they know about Santa Claus. The kids go to sleep at night. When they wake up in the morning, they get one present next to their pillow because they get presents at New Year's. They get money and stuff okay. at New Year's. Okay. Um, so it's a commercial thing. So actually Christmas Eve is a huge date night. If you're single and you don't have a date on Christmas Eve, you're a loser. Really? Kind of, kind of yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a big night to go out. Christmas okay. Eve is the big romantic, they say love, love okay. night. You know, you go out with your girlfriend, boyfriend, or you know, whatever. But people stay home and they have dinners on Christmas Eve. And for some reason, Kentucky Fried Chicken, just they started making this box of all this fried chicken. And you, I'm, it's probably, they're probably taking orders now. That's you know, crazy. maybe one, well, maybe next month, November, October, or, or some. Yeah, and you <laughs> get your, and you buy a Christmas cake from another place. There's people selling Christmas cakes outside. There's little sponge cakes with strawberries on them, and you order your KFC and you sit at home, and that's your big holiday meal. Wow, or it's I, not a holiday. That's Meal, you know? So I, I, I live vicariously through you so much, and and I feel so honored. One time I got kind of a personalized uh, 
re- response from you. And I know we're friends, but it still feels like there's a, a touch of like celebrity, ooh, you know, starstruck here. But so, so you'll do these videos of you going all around the country. You did one a long time ago when they had the the Whopper, the the black colored Burger King burger. That was I, I yeah. showed so many people that video. I'm like, you're never gonna believe this thing. You got to look at it. And then you did one that was beautiful. Uh, speaking of holidays. I think you reposted it a couple weeks ago. It was the festival with the tree with the ribbons tied on it. Yeah, Tanabata, which is 7-7, July 7th. Okay. Um, And I I just did a a little thing because I love the whole story behind it. It's about a a star princess and her her boyfriend, her lover, the two star-crossed lovers, they call them. And the girl, she was the daughter of a god, right? She was a princess of this, this god. And she would weave these beautiful fabrics for her father. And she fell in love with this cow herder. And when they fell in love, she stopped weaving the fabrics and he stopped watching his cows. And they said that the cows were wandering around among the stars and she wasn't making the stuff for her father. And so the father made them separate. But then he said that if they both did their duties, did their chores, he would let them come together for one night Hmm. in the Milky Way um, on July 7th. And that's called Tanabata in Japan. But it's a big festival and they have these, they have these trees, they're bamboo trees, Mm -hmm. everybody puts up. And then those little pieces of paper, you write your wishes on them, what you hope for. And you hang your wishes on the tree. And that's the Tanabata festival. It's awesome. And And I'm watching this video of you going all over the place, looking for the Tanabata tree, looking for something that would be out on display. And I really felt like I was there with you. I, I have a video game that I play on my Nintendo Switch called Animal Crossing, and they released on that day that I saw your video, a limited time you could buy in the store for your village a little Tanabata tree. So I bought one and I put it up by my house and I think of you when I see it. But one oh, time cool. we were talking about uh, Toys R Us and how all of our Toys R Us are closed. And you sent me a video that was like, not all Toys R Us are closed. Here's one from from Japan. It's still, still open, alive and well. So... Uh, following you like I said is is amazing to me you post photographs that just take me out of whatever room I'm in and put me in the scene with you whether they're photographs of people that you're performing with whether they're scenery photographs whether it's just the world through the uh, uh, the look of like a crystal ball I mean it's really fantastic I, I have here um, a book you recognize this turning the pages by Steve Marshall, 365 Days of Inspiration in Photographs and Quotes. You have one too? I have one too. Surprise, surprise. Did you sign your copy? Because mine is regretfully unsigned. Oh, well, when I get there, I'll sign it. Next okay. time we see each other. <laughs> I will hold it for yeah. you. This is fantastic. I was so proud. Thanks. Like, oh man, I know this guy. And I know, the, I, I know your photography, so I bought this book. And every day for the, an entire year, um, you need an updated uh leap year edition with the 366 day right uh mm-hmm. just there is great. there is a, there is 366 in there there is, is a leap there? day there's oh. a february 29th yeah well then your cover is misleading sir uh but it, great photographs and and just really cool quotes really awesome just uh, uh, thumbnails at all the places that you've been you've been on cruise lines you've traveled to to countries you've gone i mean I, on television with pen and teller what? <laughs> so many great places. How? I think that there's probably a. I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. 
a danger when you when you have an act, when you have a routine, and you you can do these things so many times for so many years that it just becomes stale, that it just becomes routine, it just becomes going through the motions. You could do it with your eyes shut, and yet when I watch you, that doesn't seem to be the case. You seem to be the kind of person that can find sparks of wonder everywhere you go. What's what's your deal? What's your secret? How do you do that? Well, you know, it is. I mean, a lot of the routines, the staples in my act, you know, that I've been doing since the boardwalk days mm -hmm. or even before that, you know, I've been doing these routines for 25 years. Um, a, a lot of them, thank goodness. Uh, and now this is going to change now because there's new performing rules because half my act was bringing people up on stage wow, yeah. and doing things with them. And so now that's, you know, whenever performance, live performances do come back, you know, in the beginning, the rules are going to be, I'm not going to be able to leave the stage and I'm not going to be able to bring anybody up on stage. Wow. Um, but I have done a couple of live shows in, in the last seven months. I've done three and it was, it was interesting. And I found ways to work around that. You know, mm -hmm. I can still have somebody stand up in the audience at their seat and interact with them or I can, there's, there's ways. Um, so for me, that was a big thing was when I bring somebody up on stage, I never know what they're going to do. Right. Right. So I kind of got to go with it. And sometimes, you know, after thousands of times doing these routines, I kind of know what people are going to do. But every once in a while, somebody will surprise me. And I actually like that when yeah. I get thrown for a loop or something or when something goes wrong during the show, it makes my mind start going, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> and and, uh, and I practice, you know, I practice what can go wrong as well right. as what can go right. Um, but yeah, it's. You know, when I get on stage, it really doesn't matter what's going on in my life. You know, that's, it's a one, it's, I know what I'm doing when I'm on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's ironic, and I've heard other entertainers say things like this, but I'm the most comfortable standing in the middle of a stage by myself in front of a thousand people. That's where I'm most comfortable. Wow. And the most uncomfortable at a party where I've got like two or three people that I have to talk to that I don't know. You know, or, you know, or if I'm performing in front of friends and family, you put me in front of an audience of 10,000 strangers and I'm fine. You put one family member or one friend in the audience and I'm like on, you know, because I got to see them again. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> an audience of strangers are gone. I'm probably going to never see these people again. I mean, I want to do a good show, but it's, it's, it's funny how nerve wracking it is wow. when you get somebody, you know, in the audience. Yeah. Gosh, well, now I feel yeah. bad because every time you're here, I try to go see your show and sit as close to the front as I can, but... Oh, no, no, but I, 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 I love it. I mean, I love it, but it's just, it's funny. It throws me when somebody in, I knows in, in the audience. Next, um, well, I'll come in a, a, no, a I love a, it. My, no, I'll please. come in my Clark Kent Superman fast food disguise. So there you'll you never go. know. Actually, actually wear a Superman costume. <laughs> That's what that, well, yeah, I obviously. I, I always wear a Superman costume under whatever I'm wearing, just in case, because one never yeah. knows. Yeah, but, but, but you know, you, I would, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if you're in the audience, I have no problem. I, I'm okay. I mean, I say it's uncomfortable. It's not wildly uncomfortable. But, you know, I would never bring you on stage to help me. And I realized, I learned that years ago when I brought somebody I knew up on stage. I thought it'd be fun. They were in the audience with their family, so I brought sure. them up on stage. And when I bring somebody up on stage to help me, I want them to be a little bit uncomfortable. Not wildly uncomfortable, but I want them to be, I want, I'm bringing them into my world. Sure. And I don't want them to be too confident up there because I want to kind of lead them to do what I need them to do in mm -hmm. a sense. I mean, I love it when they go off whatever and do whatever. It's fun. But 
If I bring somebody I know on stage and they know me and they're comfortable with me, it's really difficult for me to get them to do what I want them to do because wow. they're up there with their buddy Steve. Yeah, and yeah, I did that yeah. once, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to throw a pause, and I'm going to get back to this question of living this life of of wonder and, and awe at the world around you. But I'm going to take this moment for a little repentance. We're going to have a confession booth, and you are Father okay. Steve, and I am going to bring to you a 25 year old grievance that I have committed against you, that still eats me alive. For, to, okay. for real so we we were at church one sunday morning you came with me to church and there was a fellowship dinner afterwards and uh you were kind of talking magic with some people i mean they were all you know they didn't know who you were and uh, without i'm not trying to spill any beans here but because uh, that's the, the nature of this this confession time uh you were alluding to something that you could do and i happened to have some of my magic equipment in my office there at the church so i went and got you a tool of the trade with which you could perform but instead of slyly handing it to you to maintain the illusion i plopped it down on the table right in front of you and god and everybody and you shot me a look not of anger but certainly of betrayal and disappointment <laughs> It was quick, and 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 I'm going to tell you seriously. I think at that time I was honestly like 19 years old, and that has bothered me ever since that I did that to you. I, like I think about it and cringe. So here in front of everybody that's watching or listening, or maybe just uh, me and you and Claude Alexander, there, uh, I apologize for that. I need you to let me off the hook, man. Good, because I remember that. I've been meaning to talk to you about that for years, and I just didn't know how to bring it up. And this kind of bothered me too. So I think I can let it slide. No, I don't. I don't remember it at all. Isn't that funny how we beat ourselves up so much for things that nobody else even cares oh, about? I know. I know. I'm, I'm. I do that a lot. You know. And you know, it's funny because in my life, I've had several people. Um, I had somebody come up to me, and apologize for something that they did years ago, and. It was the same kind of thing and it was actually something that was kind of worse than you know what you're saying and i don't even remember it you know what i mean half the times that the people that you think that you've wronged and it eats at you yeah they've forgotten about it hmm. you know or if they do remember it it's like oh yeah that was no big deal sure. you know usually because i'm sure i can now i can totally see me doing that i can see me shooting you the look because of that because you know magic is all about secrets and magic is uh, an important part of my life so if you yeah. if i felt that you gave away a secret you know i didn't feel like it was like i would feel like you were betraying the art of magic not sure. betraying me you know so it's much, what i felt was a much bigger thing tony so <laughs> <laughs> the time-honored fraternity by 100. oh yeah. yeah oh my goodness you were you were, you were dissing claude alexander no! my friend. <laughs> just knocked oh. the hat down too. <laughs> i couldn't betray um, that man yeah no, no i, no, no. I and I'm sure, yeah, I, I can see that. Here's the thing, whenever anybody that I've spent significant amount of time with, and I mean like like a girlfriend or you know my wife when we first got married, I always tell them, I said, look, never say, hey, do that trick where you make the coin disappear. Mm. You know, because the, people do that because if they're around me a while, they've seen that and they want sure. other people to see it. They want other people to experience that wonder. But that's like, you know, going, hey, tell that joke where the chicken crosses the road to get to the other side. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, if you blow the punchline. So I always say, hey, you can say, hey, do that card trick or you can whisper something in my ear, but don't right. say because it's about 
the surprise. If you yeah. ruin the surprise, then it's not really a trick. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, let's uh, let's read that book about the wizarding kid in the end when this happens. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and so Okay, you're you're absolved of your <laughs> So and I think that the wonder is the important part. If you're giving away the ending, you you take something away from the experience of people having that how did that happen? sort yeah. of moment. And and that's what you trade in. I mean, amazement is is your craft. That's the world that you live in. Do you feel like the world is losing a sense of that amazement and that wonder? I don't think so, but we have to look at it in a different way and we have to approach it in a different way because, I mean, I think it was David Copperfield was talking about this years ago when I was a kid, it made perfect sense. He goes, you know, it's harder as a magician now, especially for him, he said, I'm doing magic on TV, mm -hmm. but I'm competing with this magic box that mm -hmm. is sitting in people's living room that is broadcasting images from around the world. You know, I mean, when you think about that, a, t a simple TV is amazing. If you took a TV back 100 years ago, it would be a magic box. People would freak out. You sure. know, it's something we take for granted now. Um, so I think that you have to use different things. Now, that being said, I've actually went the opposite way on some things. I've done some shows where I've went back and used tricks that were used in the 20s. Um, I did a couple years ago, I went to Michigan and I did a, a Halloween show. Yeah, that was, I, did, I saw that. That was that was a really interesting promotion. Like you did a, a whole like weeks there, didn't you? I did, I did, I did like 17 shows there in, in the first year and then we, we it was weird. We the second year we cut it down to half the amount of shows, but we actually did almost twice the amount of people. It was like, you know, <laughs> we, we, the first year we were really ambitious and we spread it out, so all the shows weren't sold out. Gotcha. Whereas the next year we cut down the number of shows and they were all sold out, so it was actually it worked out better. That's cool. Um, but what that was, it was in a it was in a house that's supposedly haunted, right. you know, and and people have the local legends. People have their stories about Agnes who died in the house and things like that. And so what I did was I, I reproduced what a seance would have looked like in 1926, which was when that house was was built. Okay. And the year that Agnes died. It was a good year. And I mean, not for Agnes. Good year. Yeah. Not for Agnes. <laughs> not for Agnes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was you know, and I used some tricks that spirit mediums used in the 1920s. And I mean, I actually used the exact same methods wow. that were used back then, and it got the same reactions today hmm. I know and you know and I love doing shows like that and and being able to tell people look this is not this isn't real you know what I mean I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you feel that you're experiencing these things yeah but it's it's me doing magic you know I'm so what's the reaction skeptic. like when you do that does it take away I mean they I think people go into it not really believing well here here comes he's a magic wielder he's got Satan in him you know like people understand that that there's a showmanship element to it some people don't you know it's it's hard because I would I would get people coming up to me after the show and saying you know you know you're a real spirit medium I can tell that hmm. and I go no I'm not I could tell you in two seconds how I did this thing. You know, I'm not. And, you know, some people choose to believe it. And that's because they want to believe it. And, and that's, and that's a thing. missed opportunity. You could say, I sense someone whose name has a C in it telling you to give me money. <laughs> that's your opportunity right there. You go for yeah, it, yeah, man. Exactly. Exactly. 
No, I go the opposite way. I, you know, I had a, I was down in Mexico last year. And after one of my shows, I do this, I do this bit in my show where I talk about, it's called automatic writing, which was a spiritualist thing. And people still use it today. They, they, what they claim is that they hold a pencil or a pen in their hand. They put that pencil or pen on a piece of paper. They close their eyes and go into a trance and a spirit comes through them and moves the pen and writes a message to somebody, writes the name of somebody who's departed or whatever. So it's yeah. like a Ouija board without Parker Brothers getting their cut. Exactly, exactly, right. And so I did, I was down at this resort in Mexico and I would do this whole thing about automatic writing. And it was, I would just talk about what it was and then I would do this really bad, I would say, think of a, a famous movie star. And let's say they thought of Johnny Depp. And then I say, spirits guide my hand. And I would draw this really bad stick figure where nobody could see. <laughs> I say, who are you thinking of Johnny Depp? And I'd step away and I go, look, I drew Johnny Depp. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was a, it was a joke. And I'd gotten this girl up to help me out because that's for afterwards they color it in and something happens that I'd make a prediction, things like okay. that. Okay. And this, this woman came up to me after the show, she actually, everybody left, everybody came up and talked to me because I talked to people after the show. And there was this one woman kind of hanging back. And she came up and she said, um, she says, uh, you know, we, we really liked your show. Uh, we're down here on vacation, it was a resort. And she said, we're, I forget where they were from, the States. And she says, but you know, we, we're Christians and we enjoyed your show, but I didn't appreciate the fact that you called down spirits when my daughter was up there to do this trick. And I kind of looked there like going, well, what are you talking about? Calling down spirits? Because in my mind, this is a just a gag. It's, a, it's telling a history of what happened and then basically making fun of it. So I never feel like I'm calling down spirits, you know? Sure. And so it actually took me a second to realize what she was talking about. I'm looking at her going, when did I call down spirits? My, oh, the trick, you know, where I got your daughter. The stick out. figure drawing spirits. Come on. Yeah. And, and she said, um, she said, oh, well, you know, you got my daughter up and you called down spirits and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, ma'am, that was, I was kind of making fun of it, you know, this and that. And she goes, oh, so it was a joke. You weren't really calling down spirits. And I looked, I still was kind of befuddled. And I, I looked and I go, yeah, it was a joke. And she goes, oh, it's okay then. And walked away. <laughs> yeah, joke spirits are fine. Yeah, but it's, it's, I, I, it's kind of amazing to me that in the 21st century that people still think that they were going to some entertaining show with this comedy goofball guy and she actually in her mind thought I was calling down spirits. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, she was really upset about this and it was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just the biggest skeptic in the world about stuff like that and, and know that it's all fake and know that, you know, nobody's doing anything like that, you know, so it's like... Except for Chris Angel, that's gotta be demons. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> well, no, and, but I've had a lot of people say that, things that to me. They go, don't call yourself a magician, call yourself an illusionist or, you know, you know, you should stop doing this because it's the dark arts. And I'm going, it's a card trick. It's it's no different from, that's like seeing a musician play a really good guitar piece and say, well, he must have sold his soul to the devil to, you know, to Only play that good. Only if he plays minor chords. That's that's how you yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Those are the demon notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So anyway, that was this interesting that I do have people still say things like that to me, and it always kind of catches me off guard, yeah. you know, when they say things. Wow. You know? Well, I, I've, I've seen you, and I'm a believer. There's things that you do that just absolutely blow my mind, and and we've been to the magic shops. I mean, I've been you you've been gracious enough to take me behind the curtain to to some level, and I'll still watch you and go, dang, how? And and I know a lot of it is is just being smart and clever enough to figure out how to bring the presentation to it. A lot of it is just a lot of practice and an amazing skill. Uh, and and that's that. See, that's where I, I fell short because you kind of walked me through some of these things, and I still have like a lot of. I won't use any particular names or describe anything, but I still have my box. <laughs> I have my box of, of magic that I and I, I and I've used it. We went down to Columbia two years ago to work with some kids that were in a safe house there that were kind of being protected from human trafficking. And I brought some of the things that you and me and John Egan went and got in Daytona, you know, and I still have them. And those kids were just amazed. They don't have TV like we have. They don't have the internet where they have, and this is this is a completely impoverished village. And every simple, stupid little thing that I did, which was extremely basic pedestrian magic illusion, just blew their mind. But I was able to take those things and do a little bit of patter and just kind of weaving a little bit of a gospel story into it. And those kids were just beside themselves. And you know, you get that request, do it again, do it again. I wanna see it again, I wanna see it again. And I don't do it again. I make them, I make them want more. And so just leave them in a sense of wonder. Well, here's here's a good analogy for that. Number one, magic is a great thing. I can go anywhere in the world, and even if I don't speak somebody's language, they're totally different culture, I can ingratiate myself to them by doing a magic trick. Because sure. everybody understands if I take a coin and it's gone, you don't have to speak language to understand right. that. You get that. And years ago, I read an essay. Uh, by a, a magician named Paul Harris, and this made total sense to me, and I talk about this all the time. Um, he talks about the moment of astonishment. I, for some reason, when I related this story over the years, I always called it the moment of wow. <laughs> I don't know why in my mind, I always said the moment of wow. And like 15 years after I read the essay, I met Paul Harris, and I was talking about this, the essay I'd read, the moment of wow, the moment of wow. And he goes, well, actually it's the moment of astonishment. And then he stopped and he goes, I kind of like the moment of wow better. <laughs> and, he, and he just written a book and he signed it to Steve Marshall, the creator of the moment of wow, which wow. I thought was really cool. That's awesome. But here it is, the moment of astonishment. He talks, what he talks about is when we're born, everything we experience for the first time is astonishing. You know, the feel of warm wind on your face, the smell of a flower, the sound of the rain, everything you experience for the first time is amazing and astonishing but as we grow up these just become experiences and we create boxes that we put these things in so now when we hear the rain it's it's just oh that's it we're here in the rain right. or this is what the field what this uh, rose smells like it's not astonishing anymore it might be nice but it's not astonishing so we we take these boxes and all these little things are put into compartmentalized boxes that we stack up and these all these experiences stack up until we know which box to reach into for what things are. Then the magic boy comes along hmm. and does the trick and does something that you can't fit into one of your neat little boxes. And that in that moment of astonishment, all those boxes fall down and all you're left is that, that childhood wonder wow. of experiencing something for the first time. Well then, 
a couple seconds later, your brain starts going to, oh, well, it didn't disappear. He just kept it in his hand. Or, you know, you start creating a reason for it, which can fit into one of your boxes and those boxes stack up again. And that's what he said was why people say, do another one, do another one, mm. because you want that jolt. You want those boxes to fall down again. Wow. So you can experience that childlike wonder. And, that and so that's my job is creating those moments. And this is, and, and you said th this is not dependent upon East or West or race or social status. This is a universal human trait that you've, you've seen and, and experienced and discovered to be true across the world. And yeah. if anybody's qualified to speak to that, you are. Yeah. So if, if it's, it's something that's hardwired into us then, I mean, that's, it, it's an essential part of humanity is the desire to be astonished, the desire to, to have that wow moment. Uh, yeah. Why would you, why do you think that God would make people that way with a desire to expect the amazing? Oh, well, you know, like I said, it's, it's, when you're young, everything you experience is like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, we, we're actually searching you know, I don't know if it's, we're made to expect it. I think we're just always searching for something okay. else that will make us feel that way again. Okay. Um, and I and I think that's what, you know, I think that's what keeps the world alive for us. Um, that's what keeps us going on a daily basis. You know, that's what, it's having that sense of wonder. If you can look around, and this is, I did a, I, did, I don't know if you saw the TED talk, the TEDx talk. I did, yeah, yeah. I did. But I talk about this and this is what, you need to find ways to create that in your daily life. Right. You know, even if you don't see a magic trick every day. I mean, I can't be there to show you a magic <laughs> trick every day. But um, people, can follow you. people can follow you on YouTube and they can see magic yes. tricks every day. <laughs> exactly. But anything takes practice. Yeah. And that's what people understand. They, you know, I've been doing photography now seriously for about five years. And you're very, um, very good. Thanks. And, but I attribute that to the fact that I constantly now look around, I've practiced it. I take pictures every day, a lot of pictures every day with my, you know, if you've got a cell phone, if you've got a smartphone, you've got a good camera with you. Right. You know, it's not about having great equipment because what happened was when I first got into photography, I'd saved up the money to buy a good camera, whatever a good camera <laughs> is now, you know. The expensive ones. Uh, but exactly. And. But what happened was I was walking around taking pictures with my cell phone, with my iPhone, and I was getting all these great pictures and I was posting them to Facebook and I had a professional photographer friend that would write me every once in a while and go, please tell me you did not take that with your iPhone. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I did. And he goes, I've got thousands of dollars of equipment. You're taking these amazing pictures. Well, it's because I practice seeing things from different angles, from yeah. different ways. Wow. And now when I'm walking down the street, I'll look up when the sun's going down, I'll see the way the light is hitting a building and the shadow that it creates and see how beautiful it is. Or a flower, and it's usually the flower that's not the, sometimes it's the perfect beautiful flower. Sometimes it's the flower with a couple of petals missing in the middle of a bunch of beautiful perfect flowers. Hmm. And you realize the imperfection is what creates the perfection. Hmm. Uh, and there's a, a great Japanese thought about that. They said the best person to take care of a beautiful Japanese garden is either a young boy or an old man because neither one of them will do it perfect. They'll, both of them will leave a, you know, the, the young boy will run through and clean it up quickly and leave a couple of leaves or a couple of things scattered around, not get every, every little piece. And the old man will get tired of bending over and picking stuff up so it won't be perfect. And it's the imperfection of it is what creates the beauty. Wow. 
Wow, yeah. that's wonderful. I love that because you live that. And again, this is not like the let me hoist Steve Marshall up on my shoulders show, but uh, I, I see it and I'm always commenting and I'm always liking and I'm always sharing things that you post because I want to see the world the way that you do. Now, my world is a little more mundane, at least to me. Uh, it would it would appear to be. I mean, you get to travel and you get to see these amazing, beautiful things. But I want to open my eyes to where I can see the people and the places that seem routine and find the things that are just hiding right there in plain sight. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a project that I've been doing a little bit is especially during now when we can't go out. I mean, I don't go, I haven't been like within 10 minutes of my house walking distance in the last seven months. I mean, wow. I, a couple of times I've had to go to Tokyo or things like that, but mainly I'm here. And so that really made me think about seeing things and taking pictures, you know, right outside my house. Right. And that's what's really cool is there's just cool things all around you. And like I said, when you wake up in the morning, you know, where the sun's coming in your window and hitting the edge of your dresser and creating a shadow, you know, the light and everything, it could be something as simple as that. I set, I set my coffee cup down yesterday on a little, uh, little bar stool we have and the light we had on cast a shadow and it was like the, the cup was here in this beautiful shadow with a handle. And then I looked over and I turned the cup a little bit to make the shadow even more perfect. And it's just, I, I just sat there and looked at it and went, oh, that's really cool. And it was just something on a little stool next to me. And I think, but you need to train yourself to do that. You need yep. to stop and smell the roses as, you right. know, as, the, as the saying goes. Um, and you need to be aware of those things. And the more you're aware of them, the more that they'll happen automatically. And the more annoyed people will become hanging out with you because you're stopping and looking at everything. <laughs> Steve, here we go. You've just taken ten pictures of this little, this little piece of paper. That's you know, you know. But you see these things, and it just becomes a part of your reality. Right. And um, and you are you can be astonished every day, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to have good equipment, camera to take pictures. You don't have to be traveling all over the place. There, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if you just walk the same route every day, you can see something different every day wow. and something beautiful every day if you really take the time to notice it. But most people just don't take the time. They're just heading from point A to point B. Wow. So you, and I, I'll, I'm going to go the long way to get to this point. You are a magician who has come through decades, I mean, generations of magic performers, entertainers to now where if I see you do something wonderful and amazing, I don't even, I don't even have to ask, how did you do it? I can Google, how did you do it? And YouTube will tell me there'll be nice full color visuals to spoil all my fun. And I think the world that we live in now, because we want to have that kind of instant gratification of satisfying the wonder, putting the boxes back up, if you will, living your life the way you're describing opening your eyes and seeing the magic that's happening around you, everyday magic, is almost like reverse engineering that. It's it's taking you out of the boxes and finding the magic that's inside that's been there all along. Yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, don't, it's, it's I tell people don't go Google or YouTube stuff because, <laughs> well, no, I, I always equate it to music. It's like if you, if you sat there and watched a guitar player play a very beautiful classical guitar piece, and the whole time you're going, oh, that's a D chord. Oh, that's an F minor. Oh, that's a, you know, you wouldn't enjoy the music. Sure. You know, it's the same thing with magic as an art form that that gives you this great 
it's 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 unique in a way that it does give you these moments of astonishment you know yeah. so i hope people will just sit back and enjoy it you know as a piece of wonderment of astonishment yeah probably um, more akin to yeah. our audiences like you never want to watch them making the chicken mcnuggets before you right. eat the chicken mcnuggets it will ruin the mick experience no matter yes. no matter what what mr james says you won't yeah. want to eat them no no you will not no, yeah. you will not. Well, man, I'm so glad to, to be able to catch up with you and, and chat. I would love to do this more often just because you truly are one of the most amazing people that I know. I feel like my life and my story is a, is a more interesting place because you're part of it. And that when I comment on things, you'll you'll comment back. And it's like, man, I really I know this guy who's doing cool things. And that makes me feel cooler. And that's that's a yeah. legit thing. And I know what you're going to say. You're always like that. Well, I feel cooler because I know you. And that's because that's who you are. You, you build up people and you, you you bring light and joy into people's worlds. No matter whether you've been doing this since the Zephyr Hill days and it seems a little routine or might it, just never underestimate me encouraging you. Never underestimate the the joy and the authenticity the inspiration and the encouragement that you bring to people around you that never should be routine and that never goes out of style thanks and and i do and i don't know you said i'm gonna say it but i do feel the same about you and i but i i also think that that's an important thing you know um people don't realize how much just a smile or a kind word yeah. how astonishing that can be yeah. to people because a lot of people don't do it um, if you can just smile and say, have a nice day. When you're checking out of the grocery store, if you just smile to the clerk or you go, Hey, nice, you know, whatever, nice glasses or, you know, people love little tiny, you know, it's, it's amazing how much people, you know, it doesn't take much to make somebody's day, right. but so many people don't, don't take the time to do that. Sure. And I think that's the kind of astonishment that you can bring to somebody on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Well, we are going to wrap up here in a moment. Before we do, there's something I like to do anytime we hang out with somebody. I have the one, two, three, four, five questions. Uh, let okay. me see if I can remember. You taught me this years ago. Ichi, Nissan, Yanju. Did I get yeah. it right? You just said one, two, three, four, ten. Yes, that's what I. Oh, that's well, I'm skipping to the ten. We're uh, going for that. Go, go. Good. Is yeah. it go? Go. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Listen, man, I, that was 25 that was years great. ago. You taught me this. Yeah, I feel that's great. Feel very valid. Uh, yeah. So five questions real quick and uh, answer them as honestly as you can, or you can say pass. There's no real penalty to this. Um, number one, if they were making a movie of your life, the Steve Marshall story, uh, Guy Jin Clown, the movie, uh, who would play you? Hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. Probably. You know, I'd say looks wise, somebody like Owen Wilson or somebody like that. <laughs> wow. You know? um, but I would love, I, well, I, I would love like Mr. Bean. I would love Rowan Atkins to play me or something like that. <laughs> okay, you know? that's fair. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you've been all around the world. Tell me three places that everyone who wants to live a life of wonder should visit in their lifetimes. Okay. Um, you know, most of my travels have been in Asia. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think you should, everybody should visit the Grand Canyon okay. in the States. Um, uh, I think everybody should visit Japan. I mean, obviously um, Japan's just a beautiful <laughs> country. It's really incredible. Wonderment. And Steve said you can crash with him. So it's cool. Exactly. I got a place. <laughs> I'm a good tour guide too. And, um, well, you know, Vietnam was a, a beautiful country wow. vietnam and 
in Korea, but yeah, Vietnam, there was something really special about Vietnam when I was there. Beautiful, okay. beautiful country. Very cool. Um, why do you think some people are afraid of clowns? I have no idea. I, I, you know, I, you know, it's like anything. I mean, obviously there's all those scary clown movies and things like that, but that goes back to Lon Chaney Sr. who had a theory <laughs> called the clown. He had a theory called the clown at midnight theory. And it was a theory okay. about horror and he happened to use clowns. And ba basically what it was, was he said, if you go to the circus during the day and you see this clown that makes you laugh, you love this clown, sure. you leave loving this clown. But at night, at midnight, you hear a knock at your back door and you open the door and it's the same clown standing there. You know, it was this theory in horror. And it's, it's creepy, right? It I'm gonna scary. have bad dreams now, for real. <laughs> right, but all it is is about taking something and putting it in some place where it's not supposed to be. Yeah. You know, it could be anything. It could be, you know, I mean, if, if, if you went to Disney and saw Cinderella, and if you, you know, if, if you open your door at midnight and Cinderella's standing there in the you know, you're probably not going to go, oh, it's Cinderella. You're going to be kind of freaked out about it. Or, yeah. you know, if it's a, if your dentist is standing there at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a double layer of terror. So yeah. you're saying that the, the, the key to good horror is location, location, location. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, number four, if you could have tea, I'm trying to modify this to our, our Japanese culture here. If you could have tea with one creative person, living or dead, who would it be? Obviously, we yeah, don't would, we would, don't give questions out beforehand. Like this, you're, this is all coming yeah, from the yeah, top yeah. of your head. No, you know, I would I would love to. I, I would love to sit down. I would love to talk to Houdini. I mm. mean, obviously, you know, if you're, and this is I brought these to show you. These were actually Houdini's handcuffs. What? I actually got to buy these at an auction years wow. ago. Yes, yeah, so these actually belonged to Houdini, so it's one of my treasures. Um, um, and. Yeah, so probably who'd be somebody magical, uh, but also I'm trying to think. Do you know who Robert Fulgham is? I don't. He wrote a book called Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Okay, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, yeah, I would. He's still alive. I would love to talk to him. Okay. Um, and and Dad Shel Silverstein, hands right down. Right on. Right on. Yeah, yeah. The Giving Tree changed so, my life. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, those. Those kind of guys. Very cool. And then last one. Do you have a favorite Bible story? Do I have a favorite Bible story? Yeah. Um, you know, when, it, when I was a kid and growing up, and it's, it's probably always been the Christmas story. Okay. I mean, the, the story of just how, you know, Christ was born and, and that the star and everybody coming to, to see him. And I always kind of, that always felt to me like a, a cultural many people from different cultures came together for mm. one amazing time yeah. you know and and it didn't matter it didn't matter who they were or where they were from the three wise men right were from three different lands i mean they weren't three guys you know that were just hanging out together the three wise guys as my mom used to call them <laughs> but you know it's i think any a story like that and i think in the bible you know we we learned that back then people, the stories were cultures coming together where mm -hmm. it wasn't all the same thing. It was, it was Christ bringing them together. Oh. And I think that's what's important. Yeah. And we celebrate that today with Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, if people want to follow you and uh, take uh, take a journey into your world of wonder, where can they find you on the internet? Well, best thing is go to stevemania.com. Stevemania.com. And uh, there you can get the link to my YouTube uh, page. And also now I sit right here and I actually do virtual magic shows uh, around the world over Zoom. Nice. Where it's an hour show and there's lots of interaction. Uh, I have magic happening in your home. It's, it's pretty cool. It's really a lot of fun. So you can get information about those shows there too. That's really, really cool. I'm, I, you know how, how hard it is. I'm fighting the temptation to do the, the, the just standard, probably most annoying thing in your life is, well, do a trick for us, Steve. Why don't you do something for us right now? I, I don't want to put... I have something. I have something oh ready. Good. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to move the computer back. This was the one thing I didn't yeah, want to pressure see. you to do, but I'm not going to stop you either. No, that's okay. That's okay. This is one of my favorite things. Um, and this is something that I've been closing my show with recently. Okay. Um, when I travel around, I carry I carry boxes. I, I, my, my hobby has been collecting boxes. When I go someplace, I travel and I, I carry boxes. I think, my, I think I got my computer a little bit wonky, don't I? Let me see, <laughs> Let me see if I can prop this up a little bit. Welcome to the I've wonky got, world. The wonky world of Steve Marshall. That's, that's right. Say, hey, that's a good, I'm gonna, that's my new show name. I like there that. There you go. I know, is the that the moment of wow in the wonky world. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I, I've got this box. It's a, it's a big die, big dice. And I keep this with me to remind me that sometimes life is like a game of chance, a roll of dice, a crapshoot. And there's times in our lives when we would just want to get outside the boxes that we create for ourselves and expand our horizons. Well, at other times, no matter how cramped it might feel, it seems safer just to stay inside of those boxes that we create for ourselves. But the thing that I've learned through my life is that sometimes you just gotta create your own box and hope for the best. And that's what I hope for everybody, all the best. What is this? That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. We're going we're gonna to link to your website in the show notes. Uh, I'm also going to put a link to the Amazon if people want to pick up your book, Turning the Pages. Thank you so much, Thanks. Steve Marshall. You are a, a, a true treasure in my life, and I'm so grateful for your friendship. And um, I, I just feel like everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, their story is going to be more interesting even for this moment when you've been a part of it. Well, thanks, Tony. It's been great seeing you. You have my love and my appreciation, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Right back at you. Thanks, right, yeah. buddy. All right, be good. All right, see ya. But oh, I just cool. want to let you know I was recording oh. in case you needed to scratch yourself or anything like that. <laughs> I always need to scratch myself. There's a there's a great there's a great line from Benny Hill where Benny Hill was there was he was always scratching himself and somebody said this lady goes, why are you always scratching yourself? He says, because I'm the only one know that knows where it itches. <laughs> 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 that was a great line. <laughs>